Perfect Family series kind of held over from that, and maybe even in the current series that we're in as a church in the book of Galatians on our identity and this new identity that we have in Christ, and, and it's Mother's Day. You know, so many of us, you might be here because you're visiting with mom because that was what she asked for for Mother's Day. Welcome. Thank you for being here. My name is Chris. I look forward to meeting you afterwards. If you want funny stories, my mom's sitting right over there. She'll tell you all of them right away. Promise. But on a day like this, I can find my heart burdened in a couple of different ways. How about we just acknowledge one out of the gate? I know that there are people that have chosen not to be with us today because of the pain that a day like Mother's Day brings to their heart. And that breaks my heart. See, it, it seems to me that what Scripture shows is that the community of the church, the gathered assembly of the church, it should be the first place that we run to in times of trouble like that. And I'm not saying these things to heap condemnation on them. They may be joining in live stream, different things like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just, I want you to know there, there's this unique burden on my heart today, realizing that there can be such a unique way that ladies can respond to a day like today. It can be a difficult time. I mean, just think about those who are here. There are mothers. There are mothers in waiting. Women who have experienced infertility, miscarriages, or even just with fear seeing that season of life to come. How do we minister to them as a church? There are those who are still playing, praying for God to bless them with a godly husband and family. Some may be grieving the loss of their own mother or the loss of a child. What about the moms that are here? They may be feeling like they're failing at motherhood altogether. What about those that look back on the season of motherhood and feel as if that's the only time in life that they were flourishing as an individual. This is what's represented in a gathering like this. This is what's represented through our online congregation joining us with us today. And I'm aware of those things. Perhaps you're here today and you're grieving a broken relationship with your own mother. Or you're a mom grieving a broken relationship with your child. We have spiritual mothers represented here. Those who cannot have children, they're, they're, they're maybe no longer waiting to have children, but they've embraced this call to be a spiritual mother to others in the church or others that are involved in their lives in a variety of ways. But even with all of those considerations, you may now feel more isolated and alone because I haven't mentioned the specific thing that you're walking through. And so while I feel this burden... We recognize that it is God who ministers perfectly to each one of us. And so today we're not going to rely on my words. We're going to look to his together. We're not going to rely on the testimonies that we're going to hear in just a moment. There are three ladies that have shared testimonies that we have video of that we'll kind of sprinkle throughout the sermon this morning. We're not going to rely on their words. We're going to rely on God's word. We're going to look to it together to say, God, in the midst of all of these circumstances that can be going on, who can minister perfectly to them? And we recognize the one we're calling out to is himself the source of that perfect ministry. I think we can agree on this, though. We live in a society that has an ever-changing definition of what an ideal mother is, let alone an ideal woman we, we have these expectations 
of an ideal mom, they can be exhausting when they're placed on individuals in our lives. Especially a woman who may feel like she's already facing an uphill battle on her own. But scripture shows us this. Scripture shows us that God's care and concern for mothers, it actually extends to all women. Not just those who society and the culture around us would deem quote-unquote ideal. His care and concern extends to all. And that, that's wonderfully encouraging for us, isn't it? That there's a sure, fixed point that we can look to today as we're honoring mothers, as we are recognizing women as image bearers of God by giving specific attention to them. It's right that we take this kind of time. So I asked you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, but I, I think I'd like to start maybe in a different place today. I'd like to take you back to the year 1991 and the cinematic masterpiece, Hook. I had it on in my office earlier. I almost started chanting Rufio and Bangarang during worship, just out of habit. You know, in that film, we have a grown-up, burnt-out Peter Pan. His children have been kidnapped. It's 1991, so if this is a spoiler, that's on you. His children have been kidnapped by his arch enemy, Captain Hook. And near the end of this film, Peter has Hook right in his sights. He's about to exact his revenge. And his daughter Maggie stays his hand saying that the captain is just a mean old man without a mommy. You know, Maggie's words resound with a theme present not only in every Peter Pan tale, but so many other stories just like it, that a mother's love has the power to heal a heart that aches. On a day like this, for the last few weeks, we recognize that there have been flowers, there have been cards with mushy sentiments about how wonderful our moms are, and that's been present everywhere that you go for the last few weeks as it leads up to this day. In the church, oftentimes, we'll, we'll point to examples like the Proverbs 31 woman who gets up early, stays up late, somehow manages to perfectly balance self-care, motherhood, career. But for every woman, this ideal doesn't look anything like their real lives. And the disconnect can leave you feeling broken. Maybe hopeless, or even like a failure, whether you would ever say that out loud or not. So let's look to God's word together to see how God made you, how God is for you, and how God is here to help. Let's start with our first video testimony as we consider how it is that God made you. Hi, I'm Cindy Gilland. My name is Stephanie Watkins. My name is Barbara Perez, and I am a mother to two kids, a 12-year-old girl, Debbie, and to almost seven-year-old, Boncho. My oldest child just turned 12, so I've been a mom for 12 years. She was actually my Mother's Day gift, and I have two other children, so I have two girls and a boy. I have four adult children. We have three daughters and one son. We also have 10 grandchildren, which we are very excited about and very proud of. When I became a mom, I was very young. I was still in college. 
I was newly married, so I was learning how to be a wife, I was still a student, and now I was a mom. It's a little overwhelming. <laughs> I'm so grateful I had a mom and a mother-in-law that helped me and taught me, but what I needed was a community. So we moved to Florida, and we became part of this church, and Danny Jones was the pastor of this young church full of families. He had such a desire for the next generation, and we all went to these parenting classes, and the things that were so great was that I learned so much about myself in these classes. We were dealing with issues in our own hearts, because you have to deal with issues in your own hearts if you haven't figured that out before you deal with, with your children's hearts. So all those things were coming together and so beautifully in our lives and we were working with other families we could encourage one another and it was just a really really precious time in our lives learning about the lord his vision for the family our vision for our family and as a result i got to know who i was so that young mom on those first days of that first baby being born, who was so scared, <laughs> at this point, I'm starting to have this vision. I'm starting to see who I am, and I'm getting a really good, clear understanding of who God is and His love and care for me as I love and care for my children. Understanding who God says I am became more important to me when I became a mother. I realized that having kids means that you have little people that are gonna look up to you and are gonna try to imitate you or emulate what you do, your actions, your decisions. And they're always gonna be observing you. And so understanding not only who God says I am, but acting upon that because then my choices, my attitudes, and my decisions are gonna be based on who God says I am. So I'm no longer gonna make choices based on my own lenses or through my own perspective, but I'm gonna make choices and I'm going to, my attitudes are gonna be based on who God says I am. And that's important to me because then that's gonna help my kids see themselves through God's eyes and see themselves as who God says that they are. And so that's why it's a journey, just trying to see and live that life of, okay, God, this is who you say I am. This is the way I have to live and act so that I can be an example to my kids. Throughout my adulthood, I've been um, greatly plagued with a particular issue that I would almost liken to the woman in Luke who had the issue of blood. I could relate to the social isolation, the stigma, the rejection, going to see doctors, trying to get a solution for this particular matter. And I know that it greatly affected my self-esteem and how I showed up for others. About five years ago, I was advised by a woman of God to write a declaration based on the Word of God. So I went to the Bible and I looked up scriptures that would help me declare to my mind and to my heart who I was according to the Bible, who I am in Christ. And so I made a declaration to remind myself that I am 
co-heirs with Christ, that I am a victor, that I am the sweet aroma of Christ everywhere that I go. And the Lord used those scriptures to reinforce and give me the strength to fight through uh, when I have flare-ups regarding this condition. Now I thank God within the last two years, he blessed me to finally after years of dealing with this, what I call a plague, it felt like a plague to me. He finally gave me a breakthrough in this area and I hope that the fact that he showed up for me, I can give that to my children to know that there are certain problems that only Jesus can understand that I will be able to let them know that they could make it through. It is going to be okay. And the Lord, just through his grace, I never missed out on any of the big things in life. I still got married. I still was gainfully employed when I wanted to be. I still had children and I still had a happy and fulfilling life. So if I could just let my children know that and other women know that you can't make it through even if you don't understand what you're going through and why you're being plagued with a certain thing, that there is a breakthrough and to just have hope. Keep praying and keep your faith in God. Our understanding of ourselves why we were made, the purpose of our lives. They're huge questions that each of us face, aren't they? For those here today who are women, God uniquely, God specifically, God intentionally made you to be a woman for his glory. Genesis 1 and 2 give us an understanding of God's care in his good design for the earth, but his very good designs for men and for women. And it's, it's important for us to have a right understanding of who we are by rightly reading God's word. In the book that we're giving away to the women here today, titled Women of the Word, Jen Wilkins states it this way, we must read and study the Bible with our ears trained on hearing God's declaration of himself. And what scripture reiterates time and time again is, in the, is this truth. Your beauty is found in God's good design. That's where your beauty has its source. So when you wonder about questions like, how does God see the woman who has reservations about being a mom? Not knowing what that season will look, up, look like, causing a fear to rise up in her? What about the mom who doesn't have everything perfectly figured out? What's his heart toward the mothers who are praying for children or those who have walked away from the faith? Does he hear the moms who are grieving children taken from life too soon or the woman who long to be mothers but whose time has not yet come? What does God say about the working mom who is gifted for the marketplace or needs to work to help to provide for her family or the stay-at-home mom raising her children, giving herself to her family and, his home, and her home? Here's the answer. He sees you first and foremost as his daughters and he loves you. That's what scripture tells us. But notice how it's not about the externals. It's not focused on the external 
calling that mothers everywhere should externally at least appear to have it all together. He loves you as his daughter. Jen Willikin again says this, the Bible does tell us who we are and what we should do, but it does so through the lens of who God is. The knowledge of God and the knowledge of self always go hand in hand. In fact, there can be no true knowledge of self apart from the knowledge of God. He is the only reference point that is reliable. And in Ephesians 2.8 it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, we should make a few observations about this text. God is the ultimate craftsman. We are called to be faithful tools in his hands. Mothers, this relates to your roles. It means that you are not the ultimate craftsman. Take that pressure off yourself. But you do get to participate in the good work that God has created you for and called you to. Walk in those good works. Give yourself to this blessing. Learn to be dependent and responsible. Not seeing those two things as opposed to one another. They are a part of how it is that God made you for what he's calling you to for his glory. So God made you, and God is for you. Would you turn in your Bible to Ruth chapter 4? Ruth chapter 4. When we turn to the book of Ruth, we find a family, we find a nation in crisis. Famine is affecting the entire region. The people of Israel had forgotten God and the work that he did for them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt into the land of promise. And when Naomi went with her husband in search of food, she didn't just leave her hometown, she left her community and any relationships that would have meant something to her in her life. It may be difficult in the midst of all of these circumstances to think that God is for me. But let's hear again from our three moms just before we turn to Ruth 4, 14 together and hear how it is that God is for us. So recalling a time when things were difficult uh, for us, but looking back now, we see God's hand through that. Um, in 2014, we moved to Orlando so that I could attend law school. And uh, we were struggling financially at that time. I wasn't working, my husband was between jobs, and it was very hard, and especially when you're a parent, it's not only about you anymore. You, you want to make sure that you're providing for your kids. And at that time, our daughter was two and a half. And so it was just very difficult. And we doubted whether we had made the right choice to move here. But I don't think I would have enough time to sit here and tell you all the ways that not only did he provide financially, um, but he also opened so many doors for us. And now looking back, we see where we are today. And we are so grateful that he allowed us to go through that, but we can see his hand every single time. 
we are just so grateful that we can get to experience that and show our kids um, not only that we love the Lord, but that they can see with their own eyes that he provides and that he cares for us. When one of my children, um, when she was an infant, she had an eye an issue with her eyes. Her eye muscles weren't working well together. And so we landed at an eye specialist. Uh, she was somewhere between four and six months old. And he quickly came up with a diagnosis that she needed eye surgery. And that was a little bit difficult for us to handle because we didn't want a four or six month old child to have to get surgery on their eyes because they're your eyes <laughs> and you you um, and we were just uncertain because yes you can put, test the child but can you the child can't tell you what's going on with their eyes and so we're making a lot of really important decisions and I always have been a person who wanted to go a natural route so even after getting her glasses, we decided that we would try to see if we could go through eye therapy. Well, she continued as months went on to still have the same eye issues. And so we finally looped back around to the point that we may have to consider the surgery. And I really, my prayer was that the Lord would heal her or that maybe the therapies would work and we wouldn't have to go through an eye surgery. However, uh, as the circumstances progressed, it, seemed to be the best decision for her to get the eye surgery. And so when she was um, somewhere between one and two years old, we went on ahead and we opted for the eye surgery. And it came out highly successful. And she also does no longer needs glasses and has nearly perfect vision. And so it was hard to see why God wouldn't just show up with the miracle, because we believed in miracles. but. He decided to use the doctors, and from what we can see, it was, it was, it worked, and I thank God for that. Our oldest child, Stephanie, was a baby. She was still an infant. She was, got sick when she was about 10 weeks old. She spent 17 days in the hospital. And after um, we'd been there all that time, one day the doctor came in and sat down and talked to Mike and I and said, um, your little one is very sick and she is not responding to medication. And he said, um, I think it would be good if you called your pastors and called your church to prayer. And he had tears in his eyes telling us that there is no hope. He has nothing else to do to help save our baby but prayer. So that's exactly what we did. We called our pastors, we called um, our families and their churches and everyone prayed. And I don't know how long it was before she started making a change, but God touched Stephanie. The medication began working again. She started breathing normally. Um, her little eyes lit up again. You could see the color in her face. We were witnessing a miracle, God was healing our baby right before our eyes. So I was so grateful God's healing power in those moments. But you know what, it was pretty scary. It was pretty scary walking through those days not knowing that what was gonna happen. But you know what, he was there. He was there, he was, he was encouraging our hearts and we were learning how to trust.
little did we know that that trust and that trial was taking us to our next child. Our son Joshua was born four years later. We found out when we were pregnant, oh, I guess about four months or four or five months into the pregnancy, that there was a problem. Joshua had no kidneys. So we walked through the last four months of my pregnancy knowing that Joshua would probably not survive. That was a very trying time for us. Um, and after all the testing was done and they looked at us and they said, we're so sorry, but our recommendation is that you go home and make funeral plans. So we were very, very, we were very, very sad. And we drove the long four hour drive home from that hospital and our car was silent. Mike was driving and I just said, you know, I just wish the Lord was here just to wrap his arms around us. And you know, in that moment, the presence of the Lord filled our car and we did feel like the Lord was wrapping his arms around us. And we knew we weren't alone. We knew whatever the next days were gonna hold and whatever would unfold, the Lord was gonna be right with us. So we come to the time which we didn't think would even happen and he was born and he was perfect and he was beautiful. He was breathing and we were praying, Lord, if it's your will, save our baby. But the Lord chose to take Joshua home. He lived for nine hours and then he went home to be with the Lord. It was no mistake that the Lord created Joshua. Joshua was created for the Lord and the Lord decided he was gonna take him home for himself. Those months that we walked carrying Joshua, waiting for his birth, the Lord was carrying us. The Lord had us in his hands. He never left us. We learned to trust in, a, in the Lord like we had never learned to trust. We had no, there was nobody else to go to. And I know some of you have gone through situations similar or different, I mean, it may be different, but, but you understand what I'm saying. There's nobody that can help you. Only Jesus can help you. Only God is big enough to wrap his arms around your hurt and your pain. And that's what he did for us. As hard as it was to walk through those months and then the months afterwards, I was so grateful the Lord gave us Joshua because I feel like I learned to know Jesus in a much greater way than I would have ever known had that not happened. Ruth chapter four, verse 14. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. 
and may his name be renowned in Israel. Naomi is a woman who has met grief after grief as the family that she spent her life nurturing slips through her fingers. Before the end of the first chapter of the book of Ruth, we find her widowed and childless daughter-in-law scavenging for food in a field owned by another man. We see the trials and the circumstances that seemed stacked against her. If we were to look back in Scripture up to this point, we've been introduced to a few notable mothers already. Johabed, mother of Moses, placing him in the river, but then being employed to nurse him once the Pharaoh's daughter found him. Deborah, judge over Israel, referring to herself as a mother in Israel in her song in Judges 5 after she led the battle with her husband. Then you have Ruth, birthing Obed and then giving him to Naomi to be his nurse. When we read about circumstances like this, we're confronted with this question. Do we have enough confidence in who God is to acknowledge his sovereignty and his providence even when our lives may seem messed up? Do we have enough confidence? And so today when I say that God is for you, I mean that like Naomi, we often look to our outward circumstances and feel maybe even bitter toward the Lord because of what we're walking through or because we cannot see beyond our circumstances to what he's doing and why. And yet, as he did for Naomi, God provides for us a redeemer. God still provides for us today a redeemer. One who restores life, one who nourishes us with his faithful, loving kindness. And all of this is working out in the midst of the plan that God has for our lives. And the part that we are called to play in the proclamation of his gospel. So let's just review quickly where we've been. God made you. God is for you. And lastly, perhaps your Bible is like mine where it's just on a facing page. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel 1. God made you. God is for you. And God is here to help. Let's hear from these moms one final time this morning. A time in my life where I had to find just joy and satisfaction in some circumstances that weren't exactly pleasing. I'm currently going through something like that right now. Um, one of my children, um, they aren't performing as well as, as we want them to perform academically and in school. Um, and I really feel bad because the child, he's trying his best. It's not as if he isn't trying to do the work. He just isn't quite uh, making the standards that the school wants him to make. And so we've been praying about the situation. Um, we have, the school has given him extra tutoring. We spend more time with him on his homework and 
reading. And so we really have to just, at this point, we're putting him in God's hands because God is his maker and his designer. And I just have to find joy and contentment that God loves him even more than I do. And he wants what's best for him. And he knows the path that he's going to sit him on and set him on. And it doesn't, um, he doesn't have to be perfect now and he doesn't have to go with the standards that the school has set for him that that his life is in God's hands and I just believe in God for that and just uh and I just know that God is gonna bless his life and I just thank God for that I have that in my heart to carry me through these times a season that I found myself having to lean in to the Lord and finding my satisfaction in Him were those years when my children left home. You know, I didn't think about it at all when they were young and busy and life was full. But when those years came, some of them were a little difficult. Now, I do have friends that are so excited when their children graduate from high school and off they go to college. And I totally, I totally get that. And there is an excitement because we are excited for them to be off on the next leg of what God has for them. But I found myself at the very end when my last little one was gone and she was no longer little, she was a young woman, um, I kind of felt lost. I kind of felt, um, what am I gonna do with myself? There was some loneliness there. Because with my girls still being at home, the younger ones, they were friends. You know, we were friends, we did things together, and, and when they were in college, it was fun, and, and then all of a sudden, it was all over. I was like, Lord, what am I gonna do with myself now? So that set me off on a new journey, a journey with Him. And I have to say, it has been the most glorious journey, because now have I'm off doing the things the Lord wants me to do, but one of the most fun things is being a grandma. I love being a Grammy specifically. I enjoy my grandchildren. I enjoy my children. We have so much fun when we all get together. So don't forget that season and don't neglect it. And look forward to the time that you get to spend with Jesus and your adult children and all those little precious grandchildren. I've learned to find uh, joy when I see my kids show a little bit of a seed of something that we've talked about. And as, as parents and as a mother, it's difficult to see your children suffer. And especially when it, com when it comes to sickness. And so this past week, my son was sick. And one night he was just so sick and um, he couldn't sleep. And it was at two in the morning and we had prayed for him, given him medicine. We've done all we could. And I was at a point where I'm like, in my, in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, just please do something so he can rest and so we can rest. Um, and then all of a sudden, he starts praying himself. And he starts saying, Lord, please help me, heal me, um, help me to be brave. And so just that, reminder that I can go to the Lord in prayer and he hears me but not only that but my children have seen that and now they, they are putting it into practice and so that was just 
one of those uh, times where I can truly see the seed in my kids and see that they are forming their own relationship um, with the Lord. And so knowing that prayer is essential for me, but it's becoming essential for them is just, I, we are so grateful that we get to experience that with, with our children. Why? Why, O oh Lord, is it always two in the morning? When we turn to the book of 1 Samuel, we encounter Hannah in a polygamous marriage. And in 1 Samuel 1, verse 7, it says this, So it went on year by year. What is it? The mocking of the other wife in this relationship. It went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Gentlemen. Perhaps it is your tradition to write a scripture to your wife in her Mother's Day card. Do not use this one. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Hannah was daily reminded that she had failed to live up to her society's belief that a woman's sole purpose was to bear and raise children, and in particular, sons. Shane's wife, one of our pastors here, Shane's wife Arden, who recently facilitated a Simeon's Trust study for women in the church on teaching God's word. She sent me some of her study notes that she had put together in preparation for today, and I've, I found her words encouraging for all of us today. Arden says this, most mothers that are mentioned by name in the Bible are unconventional. They're marginalized. You have Sarah, who's old and barren. Johabed, slave. You have Ruth, the Moabite. Hannah, barren. Mary, unmarried. These women are not only unconventional, they're often alone, but they are seen and honored by God. She goes on to say, as a mother, this gives me encouragement when I feel unseen, when I feel tired, when I feel alone. You know, family dynamics aside... Hannah's experience was this, instead of finding compassion from someone who saw and was privy to her innermost grief, she was mocked by them. Instead of finding support from her husband, she was made to feel guilty for not being content. And instead of finding understanding when she entered the house of the Lord, she was accused, as 1 Samuel will go on to say, of living a life of sin. So how is it in the midst of this that we see that God is here to help? How is it that we understand that he's not only made us, he's not only for us, but he's here, he's present right now to help? And talking with my wife Stephanie over the past few weeks, she wondered this aloud, are we even asking for his help? Are, are women in the church, are moms in particular, asking for God's help? Are you turning to your heavenly king, she mused aloud. He's available to you. He is mighty to help. When we look 
everywhere and to everything but God, he will not be found there. We will simply find the end of ourselves. She mentioned this in applying to what she saw as two camps in motherhood. There's kind of this from scratch and doing all the things. So you got the from scratch moms. Might think of this mom as the organic granola sense of pressure that everything be homemade or handmade, nothing with preservatives. Then you have the other mom who's doing all the things that their pre-K is already building their college resume. They're doing all the things. Is there a gap in the calendar? Let's make sure we fill it with something that's promising, that's going to make them a well-rounded, socially acceptable child. She noted this in connecting to the story of Martha and Mary. Stephanie said this, we have lots of Marthas just in different ways, whether organic or experiences. Does the church have enough Marys? Sitting still. Listening for the leading of the Holy Spirit in their own lives, let alone what he's after in the hearts of, his, of their children. Are moms in this congregation so busy, even with good things, that they're not willing to slow down or listen or ask for help? Does your heart argue, even with Jesus, on what choosing the better actually looks like? And when we look through Scripture, we encounter women and mothers needing divine intervention and God richly providing. Because he made you, he's for you, and he's here to help. You know, in Scripture, God doesn't just give us examples of mistakes to avoid or disasters to prepare for. No, he, he uses the accounts that are captured in his word to show us that he cares for mothers no matter how they feel about themselves. And when he's showing us his care for these moms, there's actually an invitation for us as a church, a congregation, this local church, to come alongside these women, to help lighten their burdens and release them from unnecessary or unwarranted shame. In reading these past few weeks preparing for today, I came across these comments from Christian author Abigail Dodds in her books, A Typical Woman. She says this, God gives us gifts and abilities, then he gives us children. Your abilities, your education, your hard-earned A's in whatever subject, they do have a place in your home. The way you applied yourself then will be so needed now. The, dis the discipline of study in the classroom has simply reached its goal, real life. And in real life, the lessons will be ones that require your all rather than your best. The lessons we must engage in now are of the pass-fail variety. Was there dinner? Yes, pass. Are there clothes to wear? Yes, pass. And perhaps the one that undergirds them all. Did you give of yourself all that Christ has given to you? As I've been preparing, this question continues to kind of ring through my mind. And I want to ask this of the moms today, of the women here today. Is the source of your understanding of womanhood, is the source of your understanding of motherhood, is it able to minister to you when you don't live up to that standard? Whatever book you're reading, 
whatever videos you're watching, whatever we might say in the church is, is discipling you in womanhood or motherhood, is it also able to minister to you perfectly? See, God's Word is beyond just a book to be read. It ministers to you in the moments of failure. And I'm not here to say, look, I'm trying to set you up for failure. I'm just being honest about our heart, about our minds. That there are moments that what we are called to, we do not live up to, and yet a Savior is provided for us. Is what's discipling you able to minister to you as well? And if it's not, let's do away with it. If there's something, no matter how long or short form it is, if there's something that's discipling you that doesn't point you to the Word to minister to you, do away with it. Look only to Christ for your help and your comfort. You know, if I think back to Proverbs 31, that would be an easy passage to turn to today to set all kinds of us up for this sense of guilt and of shame. But there is something that that passage says above that far, far supersedes everything else that it says. It says that a woman who fears the Lord is to be treasured. Above all other things, the hour that you wake, the hour you go to bed, the things that you give yourself to in industry, the way that you give yourself to the home, above all other things is this call as a daughter of the King of Kings. Obey Him. Live your life for His glory. It's what Peter and Paul point to when they say that whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. That's the primary thing that Proverbs is pointing to. It's requiring your all no longer simply your best. Womanhood, motherhood, your good design, your calling, the season or stage of life that you find yourself in, the very breath that you breathe, it all points to our design need for someone greater than ourselves. Christ is the greater one that you are designed to be dependent on. Let him minister to you. Strong you feel weak, binding up where you feel broken. God is the one who designed you for his glory. Let him disciple you through his word, how it is that you're called to live for him. Let that be the source. In his letter to the Ephesian church, Paul told husbands to make it a priority to show love to their wives. So if you're a married man here today, look for areas where your wife is struggling to find balance. Look for ways to, to support her. Take the kids. Give her some time to care for herself. Encourage creative pursuits. Things that bring her joy, pray for her. She will find herself as God sees her precious and beloved and worth sacrificing everything for. Children, teens that are here, Remember that even though Jesus was by all rights superior to Mary and Joseph, he still trusted them and did as they asked him. He did this because of his love for his heavenly father and because of his love for them. So how can you honor your mom today as Jesus did with Mary? As the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3, 12 through 16, as members of the body of Christ, it's our privilege, it's our responsibility to support women in our lives, mothers and sisters in Christ. If you know of a mother or mother-in-waiting who is struggling, 
Look for ways you can befriend her in a supportive manner rather than just kind words or promises of prayer or even most devastating words of criticism in some sort of way. See, when we become known for our care and our support for one another, those in our midst, we become a safe place where others can share their needs and ask for help and find a God who is present to help in our time of need. Now, why take the time today to acknowledge our good, God-given design? Why parent? Why care for mothers? Because God has called us to, and he is worthy to be followed, church. Motherhood is not a road intended to be walked alone. We're all walking together in a heavenward direction. We as a church have a privilege, a responsibility to come alongside mothers, come alongside women who long to be mothers, to encourage, to lift up, to offer physical help as needed, reminding one another along the way, God made you, God is for you, and God is here to help. I just wanna, earlier this morning, the Lord laid on my heart to, to ask a few ladies who have actually been quite instrumental in the process of preparing for today. You've heard me reference Stephanie and Arden. I'm, I'm not quite sure I can see, so I think I see Kyleen. So Steph, Arden, Kyleen, uh, is Rachel here? Come on up. I'd like these ladies to pray for you as a church. Allie, thank you for these videos. These ladies have made connections in scripture with their own lives in ways that I could never illustrate. And I'm so grateful that they were vulnerable enough to do that for us today. If you're here today, all of the women that are gathered here, not just moms, but women that are gathered here, would you just simply stand? We're just gonna take a moment to pray for you and to minister to you. These ladies are gonna pray for you. This is our ministry time. I know that we have coffee and photos and all kinds of fun. Let's not rush what the Lord wants to do in our midst right now. Father God, we invite you to minister to us right now. Lord, thank you for the women in this church. Thank you for the ladies that you have blessed us with in this congregation. Lord, help us to know how to better encourage one another in your good design. Help us to know how to encourage one another, seeing that you are for us, even in those moments where we are being challenged outside of ourselves. Help us, God, to see that you are here to help. Holy Spirit, guide our thoughts away from what is considered to be society or worldly good look to the good contained in your word. Lord, I want to thank you for your care and your love. I'm going to try and pray without crying, but we all know that's not going to happen. <laughs> I think of the moms that are here that you've prayed for your children, yearning for them, longing for them, so excited to be a mom, and then they get here, 
and you realize that you are the one in the back room feeding your child while life is happening elsewhere. And you hear the voices of joy and you're not able to participate because you're being a mom. Lord, thank you that you see every moment. That when we feel unseen, it is impossible to be unseen by you. Thank you for giving us the title of mom. Thank you that you are the one that is giving us strength. You are the one that is filling our soul that we can give of ourselves to our families and to our children. And for those that feel alone, Lord, I pray that you just continue to pursue, whisper to their souls, these moms that feel unseen, that you whisper to their hearts that you love them. Thank you that you have uh, just blessed the mothers in this church with joy, that they know that children are a blessing, God. I thank you that when I, I look out in this building, there are so many children. God, we are so blessed with this gift. Thank you that you have envisioned the parents in this church to know that, that these are a gift from you, God. Um, it is hard, <laughs> Lord, but thank you that you have... Um, blessed these mothers to know that even in the midst of the, the hard, that this is a good thing. And so God, I just ask, I know that today uh, I even walk in here and, and I'm so aware of, of just how I fail as a mom. Um, and so I, I know that I'm not alone in that and I ask that you would be with the mothers here today who walked in and they want to be excited and they want to be happy because it's Mother's Day, but they just feel like they've let you down. They feel like they've let their husbands down and they've let their children down. Um, and they haven't. God, you, you see them and you are so happy with what they are doing. Uh, you don't look at them with anger or judgment, but God, you look at them with joy. They are your daughters. God, I pray that, that truth would break through this morning that when we walk out, that all of us moms would feel refreshed, we would feel a renewed vision, that we would just rejoice that you see us and that you are happy with us. God, we are doing your work. Uh, we are raising up these incredible people, these incredible blessings that you've given us. Um, so I just pray joy and peace um, and renewal today. Father, thank you for your good design. Thank you for the high calling of motherhood. It's a huge task. And it's overwhelming often 
But we thank you that it's not dependent on us. Thank you that it's not about being the perfect mom, but about pointing our children to a perfect savior. Thank you that when we are weak, you are strong. Help us to look to you, Lord, for the wisdom and the strength um, that is needed for this high calling that you've given us. Thank you that you are faithful, and thank you that you love our children more than we do. Pray that you would um, give every mother here today the encouragement that she needs. Help us to find our rest in you um, and our strength in you, Lord. Thank you that you are enough. Lord, I just thank you so much that for each of the women that are in this room, whether they are mothers or not, God, we are your daughters. And that you've, you have designed us with a purpose. You have not made a mistake. That the strengths that we have, the weaknesses that we have, you see each and every one. And not only do you see them, you are there to support us and that you are there to uh, strengthen us for every step that we're going to take. So, Lord, I thank you that you uniquely meet us in mundane moments, that we don't have to have a huge moment. We can be, we can be cleaning the kitchen. We can be caring for our children in the middle of the night, as was said earlier, or we can be driving. We can be doing whatever you've called us to do, and you are right there to meet us. And I thank you so much for that. I thank you that you love us and that you've created us uh, to be your children. We're not less than. We, we don't have to be judged by, even though we are judged by our society, you do not hold us to those standards. You ask us to come. So, Lord, I pray for the women in this church that we will be more like Mary. Help me to be more like Mary and to choose the better. I pray that you will help us to come to you and be known as women who fear you and as women who love you because you have loved us and you've made us and you are strengthening us and helping us along. So Lord, I just ask that as we walk out today, that we will walk out with an awareness, no matter what season we're in, no matter what our circumstances look like, that you are with us and that we can go and walk boldly because we're your daughters, and we thank you for that. Father, thank you for this day, a day that scripture reminds us that you have made for us to rejoice in. Help us to do so fully. Help us to enjoy the moments of laughter together, moments of quiet reflection and realize whether the highs or lows, you are there. And we can rejoice. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand with me, please? Ladies, I think it's right to say thank you for the weeks of conversations.